Well, welcome to season two, episode three, a conversation with Reed Monahan on crafting Christmas. I really put the T yeah, in there. You, you did. really did. <laughs> Christmas. Kristen Christmas. <laughs> crafting Christmas traditions. Listeners, we're so thankful. For- <clears throat> Man, this is starting <laughs> off. <laughs> should we should we just reclap? <laughs> Welcome to season two, episode three. We're having a good time here in the Bonhoeffer House Global Headquarters, and we had a great time listening to this interview with Reed Monahan. Season two, episode three: Crafting Christmas Traditions. Uh, where I talked to Reed about his really all of his Christmas traditions, family traditions, but uh, but most directly about his Christmas letters that he does for his children. And so we are excited for you to listen to that conversation, hear a little bit more about in, in this mini series we're in on craftsmanship, uh, where we are talking about uh, creating things with excellence and honesty, and how we can apply that both in our vocations and in our homes and our Christmas traditions. So we got an exciting episode for you. We're excited to be here, mixing it up, chopping it up in the study. These guys have been giving me a hard time about everything. So That's what we do best. It's just a typical <laughs> staff meeting in the Bonhoeffer house. And so uh, glad to have you guys. Holly, Michael, my com- compatriots. <laughs> you, said, you did say that earlier. My friends, my fellow workers, yeah. my co-laborers. Yeah, there you go. Biblical. Bible words, my Bible word friends here in the study, and uh, I know that we all had a chance to listen to this in advance, had us thinking a little bit about Christmas traditions, and uh, Holly, I think you were going to kick us off. Yeah, I actually have have two questions today. Oh, snap. So first question, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I will answer first because this is the correct answer, so I just want you both to feel foolish afterward. (laughs) Okay. The correct answer is Elf. Mm. It is the best, the best, the best, the best. Mm. Uh, it's really good. As a matter of fact, Elf goes into our uh, our family tradition. Every every yeah, year, we we turn Elf on and we decorate the house together with Elf in the background. We like Elf. It's timeless. It's not the, it's not the greatest Christmas movie, uh. but yeah. What do you think it is, Michael? You like you like it. Because you you just put it in the background, <laughs> you clearly don't love it because you don't give your attention to it. Well, some things you know, it's that no, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, what are y'all's favorite <laughs> Christmas movies? Mine actually is Elf. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, good answer, Michael. I don't. I don't. I don't know what else I would even say. I'm very curious because you, Jesse, you were super confident. About your answer. Die hard. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. Of course. I'm fine with calling it a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie, and it's the greatest. National Lampoon Christmas Vacation is also... Are you serious, Clark? An really. Ex- an acceptable really answer. Really great. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love Home Alone. Oh, yeah. As oh, a matter yeah. of fact, I mentioned this in the podcast, but I just watched 8-Bit Christmas with the family mm-hmm. on... What is that? HBO Max. 
It's a story. Well, you know what? You guys are too young for it, to be honest <laughs> with you. You grew up on like... What is an 8-bit? N64s. That's right. Yeah. The greatest gaming that's console of all time. <laughs> and that's like cutting edge yeah. for an 80s mm. kid. It's a, well, it's, a, it's a charming little family movie about... Okay. It's got a kind of you know retelling of the past narr- narrator. Anyway, Put I it like it. Doesn't doesn't uh, push Die Hard out of the. So Die Hard spot. is your actual answer. Die Hard is my actual answer. Okay. And my second favorite is Home Alone. Okay. Yeah, Home Alone's great. Okay, next question. What is your least favorite Christmas song? <laughs> All I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Oh, <gasps> what? Wow. I just don't like it. Wow. I don't really have anything else to say. I just don't like okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I don't love Mary Did You Know. I know there's like a Twitter war <laughs> I, right now about whether or not Mary Did You Know is like that's good theology. <laughs> I believe it's what <laughs> That's the first thing that popped into my mind. Yeah, I don't think fan. it's actually my least favorite Christmas song, but but there is just so much uh noise and and information about that on yeah. social media right yeah. now. Yeah. We I believe mean, that Mary knew. Yeah. That's what we want to yeah, say. Yeah, she knew. Yeah, but she didn't know everything. <laughs> nope. No. She didn't know everything, but yeah. she knew. She knew. But also, I don't like it, but I do end up singing it. Yeah. Not so with All All I Went for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. It's just... I wish you would sing it right now. No. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know my answer. Maybe uh, maybe just one one of the one of the super popular like something like Jingle Bell Rock. Oh. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Uh, mine is um War is over. Oh, you know that one? Yeah. Why? Oh, my Why goodness. don't you like that? It makes me crazy. I don't know. Anytime it comes on, ninety nine one, I switch the channel. Mm. Also, Christmas shoes. You know how shoes. you can avoid that? Ooh, Christmas, Christmas shoes. shoes. Sir, I want to buy these shoes. <laughs> Come on, move. Don't wait. Come on. <laughs> War is over. That's you too, isn't it? Or is that like a collab? I don't know. What's the original? Because I've heard some great renditions of Wars Over. Oh, I don't know. I turn them all off. Anyway. You love war. That's our Christmas questions. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want the war to be over. (laughs) Peace. Get this out of here. (laughs) Okay. It's so it's actually Johnny. Okay. It's that's um I mean I feel Yoko Ono and John Lennon. Oh. Okay. So I need to hear I need to hear acceptable to hate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I'd choose Mariah over them. I need to think about that question some more. Yeah. But I'll just go with Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Jingle Bell Rock. You guys have any Christmas traditions in your own families? Mm. Save uh, save one for our outro. Okay. But anything you guys did this Christmas that you enjoyed? You know, our our family is still really young. Mm. Like our kids, Lila's two and a half. So we're, I, f- I feel like this Christmas is the first one that she's really able to understand what's happening at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're like just starting to talk about this, which is why I think this episode was really fun for me yeah. to yeah. listen through. But um, we get a Christmas tree, a re- like a real Christmas tree. Mm, you go cut one down. Uh-huh. Um, do you cut it down or do you just buy it at like the Kroger parking lot? No, we, we at least the last two years, we've gone to Floyd to um, find somebody's yard and sit <laughs> in there and cut Somewhere, one down. Yeah. Yep. No, I think, I think it's called Sweet Providence um, Farm. And 
we get a tree there. Um, we get some, uh, a wreath or, or, um, I don't know, other, other green decorations. Green things. Yeah. <laughs> green things. things. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, decorate the house. Um, I feel like our, the, the Bonhoeffer house Christmas party is part of our Ooh, tradition. Yeah. So fun. Um, I had a migraine at this one. Oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That wasn't, <laughs> wasn't so fun for me. That's the worst. I also got the worst white elephant gift, but it's okay. Do we want to talk about it? I'm sorry. I got a Santar sweater. I didn't know. I didn't oh, get you yours. Oh, you didn't get no, mine. I would have preferred y'all's. Jenny got, did Jenny get mine? I that's thought right. you opened yeah. it. Okay. You did get one of them. Yeah, you got, that's right. You got the like hazmat suit. Yeah, uh, I got the hazmat suit. Morgan and I, Morgan was in charge of choosing our white elephant gift, <laughs> and I sent him to his, his work farm place. office, yep, his and farm he office. found stuff. For sure. There are things that I don't feel comfortable repeating <laughs> having to do with animal husbandry. Let's just husbandry. say at the party, before we open the gifts, two separate people talked to us and said, you know, the white elephant gift like used to be uh, like tons of jokes and like people would put like half a thing of Oreos in there. And now it's just gotten really good. And Morgan and I made eyes across the room and we were like, get out now. Let's let's sneak out the back door. We what brought a we hazmat done? suit and I believe a bottle of saline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was an injector. There was, there was yeah. Yep. Like a needle that also looked like a turkey baster. Yeah. Yep. It's for a cow. It was very funny. It, okay. it goes down in the in the legends. In the lore. In the yeah. lore. In the lore. Alongside the lint. <laughs> yes. Yes. We do have one. We don't want to say who it is. We don't yeah. want to call them out. One Bonhoeffer House alum yeah uh who bring lint from the dryer that they collect during yeah. the year although to be fair it's less than at the beginning the beginning was a pretty significant sized ball of lint that's correct this year they had yetis in both yeah, of their every so yeah they win. every subsequent year they've continued to bring lint but they <laughs> they've brought yeah other things and like put lint you know, as an homage mm. to mm. the first year. That's good. You know, why don't we circle back around in our outro? We'll talk a little bit yeah. more about, about traditions. And for now, let's let's take our listeners to an interview with Reed Monahan on crafting Christmas traditions. All right, welcome to the the global Shedquarters. It's fun for me to be able to say that to you. Hey. The global shedquarters of the Bonhoeffer House in Radford, Virginia, in the beautiful New River Valley. I've got my friend and uh, podcast co-host, ministry partner, Reed Monahan in the house today. What's Amen. up, Reed? What's up, Jesse? It's good to be here uh, looking at you in front of your wall of books. You look very <laughs> uh, scholarly yeah, and prof- that, professorial. Yeah, it's like a Zoom background. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. But, be- but it's better. It's the pure and better Zoom background because it's real. Right? Yeah, they're real. It's like the Iceland verse. <laughs> that's right, the Iceland yeah. verse, yeah. We'll link that in the show notes. We yeah. talked about that on the, on the uh, Gospel Underground podcast. Yeah, these are real and... I've even read a few of them. Hey, yeah. I had a depressing moment in life where I had I, I had I had once this truth in my bookshelf that I read every book that I owned, Ooh. And, and and it was quite a long run actually, surprisingly. And then it all of a sudden got out of hand. I was like, oh, I don't know. I just buy books and read a few pages sometimes now and get discouraged. But I've felt the freedom to do that because sometimes libraries are like tools. Yeah, I will get something from that book, and it's helpful to teach or encourage and. So I've given myself grace, I suppose, yes, for not receive, reading all my books. Receive the grace. As a matter of fact, we had Dr. Jonathan Pennington on 
uh, season one, episode 21. And, uh, and that gave me a lot of grace because he talked about two things. One, audiobooks count. Of course they like, count. Amen. They We're count. on record for that. Yeah, <laughs> we of course we knew that, but it was nice to have it was nice to have a doctor tell me. Yeah, and then right, uh, and then right. secondly, um, you know, if if uh, you get what you need out of a book, just put it down. Hey, and I was like, amen. Hey. amen. How, how does someone make the argument, Jesse, against audiobooks being you've read the book? I don't know how you make the aud- contrary argument. I don't know. You're probably just not a very happy person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm grouchy, and I don't want you to think you read that book. Yeah. Did you yeah. even put your eyes on every that's word? Right. Did you cognitively hear it in your own mind? Well, you know, speed uh, readers don't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they just scan right over that yeah. thing. Well, we're not here to talk about reading. We're here because we are right in the midst of our mini series on craftsmanship, and uh, we've already we've already. Uh, heard from Holly Paulette to start off season two. We heard from Dylan Dent in episode two, talking about the craftsmanship of uh, independent music making and growing in your craft uh, that way. We've got one in the uh, in the hopper right now with uh, Chris Barclay, who the, man, this was great. Reed, I got to go fishing with Chris. He's a fly rod maker. Wow, like a custom, like the kind of guy who's just like you know, he's you know, he's just kind of living that. That craftsman kind of lifestyle. It's wonderful when someone is an outpouring of their love and affection for something in detailed excellence. That's right. I don't care what it is, man. Yeah. Even if I never done it or never will do it. I get some friends who are really into cigars, and I hate smoking, but I like I listening, like listening to them. To them. Yeah. yeah, I was like, you guys are weird, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've got one in the hopper. Chris and I recorded on the. Uh, right on the banks of a of a creek, right on the border of North Carolina, wow. Virginia. And now here we are with you, Reed, and you're on here because I have admired the way that you, number one, you're just a craftsman at heart. So when we, when we think about craftsmanship um, and craft in general, what we, we talk about this in the, the intro to episode two, but we, we're thinking about um, a dedication to making things with excellence and honesty. Yeah. And so... Yeah. That's a good um, definition, yeah. So, so for you, and, and we go into that. If you want to, if you want to, I go. I've got like too many points, ten points about <laughs> about what craftsmanship is and how we got our sense of what craftsmanship is. But we're trying to recover yeah. a Christian commitment to craftsmanship in any vocation, yeah. with a kind of secondary motive that for all the pastors out there listening and the future church leaders that we're training in the house. Uh, that we want, we want, we want these men and women who are going to be leading in the church and missionaries, and and we want them to uh, to grow in a desire to become craftsmen, to view ministry as as a craft. And when we look at you, when I've looked at you over the years, Reed, uh, you are a craftsman with everything, whether it's smoking delicious <laughs> meat in your smoker, or um, or in this case, Christmas traditions. Yeah. Uh, you just you you've got a dedication to excellence, to growing and, and learning and honesty, and making things. And so we want to talk about uh, craftsmanship and Chris, crafting Christmas traditions here on the Hammer and Quill today. So first, before we get into that, introduce yeah. yourself. Who are you, Reed? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, your Reed Monahan. I um, 
I guess I'm a parachurch minister now. I, I've been in kind of full-time Christian service for almost 26 years, Jesse, and 12 of that was in direct pastoral ministry, preaching, teaching, counseling, discipling in the local church context. Church planting and multiplication has been a big part of my story. Uh, and then I guess the rest of that time, a little bit more, 14 years in some sort of parachurch ministry, started out with college athletes. I was an amateur wrestler by trade. Um, and Now, when and, you say amateur wrestler, yeah. that doesn't mean you're just yeah. kind of out in the backyard challenging yeah, guys to, yeah, yeah, like, to throw uh, down. Hey, hey let's hey, get it on. wrestle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Not that um, you weren't doing that. Yeah, but. so Olympic-style wrestling or folk-style collegiate-style. I yeah. wrestled in, you know, I started late junior high school, so I, I actually cared deeply about technical aspects of wrestling because I started so late I had to learn it all. So that's an area even like of craftsmanship, probably in my life, technique and wrestling. And then it earned me a scholarship to the University of North Carolina. I'm now the chaplain for Virginia Tech wrestling team where I'm doing spiritual go development Hokies. with the coaches and athletes. Like, yeah, go Hokies. Um, I'm an assistant high school wrestling coach on the side. So it's a big part of yeah. my story. So I started working in sports ministry with my wife, who was a national champion soccer player. We worked together with a group called Athletes in Action, evangelism, discipleship with young people in a sporting context. And so now I'm kind of combining all those passions, as it were. I do some uh, strengthening of local churches in a missional effort that they'd be more effective with the coming generation. I do direct ministry myself, speaking on college campuses, working in the chaplaincy that I do, and then also thoughtful engagements, which we do a lot on our podcast, The Gospel Underground, and helping the church be thoughtful about the moments that we live in and help 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 people think through the ideas of a culture, how to make a defense of Christianity and a, an effective articulation of the faith once entrusted for the saints. So that's a little bit of what I do. And my I dad, love too. It. You're I'm a dad. dad too. Yeah. You're a husband. You got three yeah. kids that are great. One yeah. is already in college. Yeah, I almost finished with a sophomore year, halfway through her sophomore year, and 20. Kyleen is uh, almost 18, be 18 this month. She's hearing back from colleges. We're hearing from the big one, so to speak, the impossible to get into college on my birthday this Thursday. Which these, one is that? These, um, it's you in New Jersey. Okay. It's in central okay. New Jersey. Okay. We'll, we'll just yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get into for... But she's qualified. New Jersey Tech. Yeah, New Jersey Tech. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. New Jersey Community College. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then my son Thomas is a freshman in high school. He's 15. He's a big boy. Yeah, they're all soccer players. And, you know, Kayla is a, you know, literature arts person. She's a double major. She's very creative. Class, very creative. She's a craftsman. Yeah. Um, very creative, double majoring in uh, classics and business. She wants to be involved in classical schooling someday. And then Kyleen and Tommy are math science people. Kyleen wants to do engineering as a female, which is really, really fun and kind of in demand, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And all of your kids have been on the Gospel Underground podcast at different times. All of them are are incredibly articulate. And uh, certainly I've been, I've been, you know, my kids are a little bit younger. I've, my oldest just turned 12. And so I'm looking ahead and looking at your kids and thinking, all right, I need to learn from Reed. And Casey. <laughs> and, uh, the the beautiful thing is that uh, you know this, Jesse. You start learning from your children too, which is uh, a beautiful thing. Parents, be humble and learn from your kids. You'll learn a lot from God through them. And yeah, it's a privilege to be a dad and and to flow with them mm. through life. Mm. Amen. And twenty six years of marriage for Casey and I in May too. Like, twenty six years. My my parents made it twenty eight to where they called it off, so mm. to speak. And so I've got vision. <laughs> super I think you're that. gonna I think you're gonna I think you're gonna be fine so uh yeah listeners if you want to and by the way we had this whole debate on uh 
on the episode two intro about uh, what we call our listeners. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I was yeah. I was noticing that some of the other kind of smaller Christian podcasts, uh, which I would, I would consider yeah. this to be, uh, call their listeners their fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like... Fans, a, supporters, listeners. Yeah. I was a grumpy old man saying, <laughs> I don't think we should call our listeners our fans. I'm your fan, Jesse. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can be my fan. So listeners, if you are interested, you should check out the Gospel Underground podcast. It's a fantastic podcast. I get to be on it a lot of the times. Uh, Reed leads the way with that, and it it is existing in the borderlands between the church and culture. It's there's some fascinating conversations we have um, about everything from <laughs> philosophy to artificial, artificial intelligence, robots, robots, raising kids, yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. nine. And some of the things we've talked about are uh, Christmas and Christmas traditions, and so yeah. that's where I learned how much of a craftsman you are when it comes to, and you and Casey are, when it comes to um, the, uh, the Monaghan home team and uh, your kind of holiday and, and, and birthday traditions. And so we thought this would be a service to our listeners as Christmas is just right around the corner to talk a little bit about Christmas traditions. So why don't you tell us, if you don't mind, what are some of the traditions you guys do as a family, and how did you get there? What are the, the how did you guys craft yeah. those? Yeah, I mean the subject Jesse of craftsmanship is quite interesting because I think psychologically I get torn inside myself sometimes between you know the phrase if it's worth doing at all it's worth doing well, between the other phrase if it's worth doing it's worth doing poorly. Um, I, I that's sh- that's one of our mantras with the Bonhoeffer House. <laughs> You know, one of your heroes, G.K. Yeah, G.K. Chesterton yeah. said that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm torn between those two phrases often. Yeah. And or or it's always in beta. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's a more modern way of stating that. And so I get torn on that. And so um, what I've tried to do over time is to give myself grace for my perfectionism. I like to do things in, in my mind in a good way, um, up to my own standards, and that can create some tension. And so I've learned it over years. I'm trying to teach my oldest daughter, who has that trait as well, to give herself grace, or Kylene, who thinks it would be a disaster to ever get a B. It's okay, get a B. Um, so I'm trying to learn to give grace, but at the She's same time... She's never gotten one, though. No, not yeah. even close. She's yeah. just ridiculous. But um, So I, I think... Um, my life is like, hey, I want to do something. I want to do it with intentionality, at least. I want to do it on purpose. I want to try. Um, and so the opportunity, um, I saw a lot of examples growing up as a kid that I didn't want to emulate. And obviously learned some good things from my parents as well. Um, but they weren't, they weren't a Christian family. My dad's an atheist still. And so in a lot of ways, you become a parent, you're shaping. Obviously, we nicknamed our family the Monaghan Home Team. We made up songs about that. As kids were added to it, we changed the lyrics to rhyme with, whether we had three kids or, four, mm. you know, whatever, five of us how can we get? How can we get a rendition of that One, song? One, two, three, four, five, Monaghan Home Team satisfied. You know, when they're two and four, you just make up stupid yeah. stuff. It's yeah. not hard, right? You don't have to be a a lyricist you just you anything know. worth doing is worth doing poorly yeah you, you know go. as a matter of yeah. fact yeah so children's songs i've done very poorly that's right yeah so getting it so before we get into the christmas tradition that idea of excellence and anything worth doing is worth doing poorly yeah, yeah. i don't think that they're and you you know we're in agreement i don't yeah. think that they're exclusive or they're uh they're pitted against each other because um it, it, the idea of anything worth doing is worth doing poorly is really not about 
a mediocre effort. Yeah, it's about the worth of the thing. The right? worth of the thing yeah. itself. It's That's really right. a defensive amateurism That's that we right. don't need to hire professionals to do everything. That's right. Um, you know, in, in the sense with Ch- Chesterton writing, maybe mostly about tutoring and and family life, and but it's like you know, if I'm if I'm you know, if I'm not going to be as good at taking care of my lawn as the lawn people, but this is my lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's and I right. love my lawn. I love my property. I, I, and so I've got, I got to put my heart into it. So I'm going to still, it doesn't mean I'm going to mail it in and just yeah. sort of, yeah. you know, halfway do it. I, I still got to make sure that I, I so I'm going to work at it with excellence, even if I'm never going to be as good as someone who, and I'm looking at my lawn. That's why it came to mind. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at my retaining wall that, that I built and then fell down because. Because <laughs> you didn't do it quite as good <laughs> as the retaining things, wall people. Stuff, yeah. and then I rebuilt it, and now it's sitting there, and it's got a little dip in it. It's not the most perfect retaining yeah. wall, but but I love it. It's it better than doing. what I would do. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, I agree, Jesse. I think those things are a tension. One of those good tensions. The worth of the thing means it's worthy to do, even if you're not an expert. Yeah. And then if you're going to put your hands to something, you you might as well bring yourself to it. Yeah, and uh, try. Right. And so whether or not you have expertise or not will determine the excellence of the outcome, perhaps. For me, it's First Corinthians fifteen ten. by the grace of God, I am what I am. That full stop has to be the case. And his grace towards me was not in vain or yeah. not without effect. On the contrary, I worked harder than them all, though it was not I, the grace of God within me. So that that's a tension that I want to live uh, in my own life and family, you know, I felt like there was a huge opportunity there. I have these, I have a wife now to love and serve. Uh, I have children arriving, um, and I have certain desires that I want to want fulfill my duty in a real sense as a father before before God. And then I want to, you know, put some things there in my family and children, and and I wanted to do that well. And so you get to make up stuff, and you get to learn from lots of other people and share. And, yeah, uh, I love the community of fathers that share ideas with each other. It's a really, really, I've learned so much from men that it's like, I used to do this all the time when I was a young dad, like, Hey, uh, your kids remotely like you. Can I take you to coffee? And just, just write, listen, every, write down everything yeah. I could learn and that kind of thing. And so we actually talk about that in, in, uh, season two, episode two in the intro about how, uh, the arts and crafts movement was trying to recover the sense of like the medieval, uh, craftsmen, the guild. guild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in, in, in many ways, that's kind of what you're talking about is like a, a guild of fathers yeah. who who care for their family, who want to create meaningful, yeah. you know, um, liturgies in their home life, yeah. uh, or or um, ordering of the heart in the family That's around right. certain right. practices. And so, yeah. so I love that. So, okay, keep going. And so, when the kids are little, you know, I care about the thoughtful life, and I care about you know teaching kids to think and reason. And so, I I would make up little songs to teach them the basic first principles of logic right and you think how could you do that right it's like so um if you want to teach you know realism something is what it is you something is what something is you sing this with your kids something is what a dog is a dog and a cat is a cat the law of identity how about that i would do that with my kids <laughs> i love it and, and kids love that stuff right a tree is a tree to be oh, is a man bee. You, you law of identity you were, for you and me right you were just a little bit too soon for youtube <laughs> But man, you would have oh, been yeah, a sensation. Yeah, yeah. Smash that like but button. These are private things, right? Yeah. You do with your kids. They sing back with you, and yeah. then they learn A is A. They learn A is not not A, and and so it's it's simple stuff like that from teaching. And I felt like as a father, you're modeling, right? Obviously, you're disciplining the little kids. Usually, pointing them in Godward direction. They see and imitate you, so you're you're living before them, and you're living with them. And so, um, obviously, things that in our cultural you know moment that matter. 
matter to people is their birthdays and Christmas and things like that. And so philosophically, for me, Christmas was about getting a new bike, right, as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, I found out, uh, you know, Santa Claus wasn't real because my dad was playing Simon, this old game where you yeah, push oh, yeah. the color buttons and you get, get real deep into it. And so I came out, like, rubbing my eyes and saw my bike <laughs> you know, with red tires and hearing Simon. So, like, Santa's not real. But still, Christmas was about what did you get? What am I going to get? Yeah. And so when I converted to Christ as 20, things like Thanksgiving, right, really became about giving thanks to God. And, and things like Christmas, for me, I wanted it to be about Christ, the incarnation. And I wanted my family to know that. And so... And obviously your, your, your in-laws and your parents and aunts and uncles, they take care of little kids. They love to buy them stuff. And so we, we started making a bigger deal about our kids on their birthday than Christmas, whereas a family, we made a big deal about the Lord. And I, I never bought, I still don't buy my kids Christmas presents. I don't. My wife does now, but for the longest time, we bought them nothing. Now, I'm not recommending that. Other people took care of that. They always had a full Christmas tree. But I thought, what could we do as a family to make an investment? Hmm to make Christmas about the incarnation and to not make it a rote traditionalism about Christ, but like something fresh, relational and dynamic that we could experience together. So you're not buying Christmas gifts, you know, early on, but you are, what are, what are some of the things that you are doing around say, particularly Christmas um, that either regularly point your family to Christ or, um, invest into your children. Yeah. You know, this is something that I feel like, uh, you know, my partner in the gracious gift of life, Casey Janine Monahan, Casey Monroe, when I met her, um, my wife is eminently better at certain things than I am. In fact, Jesse, we had a big fight uh, about a Ooh, week ago. do tell. Yeah, we had a big fight about a week ago because my wife wanted me to intuitively uh, think, oh, it's the time where all the Christmas decorations hordes of them need to come out of the attic and to proactively do that on my own and give that thought and do it. And obviously I'm a man and did poorly here. I, mm. you know, and so she didn't tell me that until she was probably internally upset with me. Mm. And then she's like, can you help me with this? And I said, sure, I'll help you. And I was helping you. But you know, then by that time we were frustrated with each other. And the reason why Jesse, at least the way we <laughs> solved our <laughs> disagreements is that once I said some insensitive things, like yeah. I really don't care about those things. So I'm not thinking about this. Them. That doesn't come out well. Yeah. Um, it may be true, but it, it may, may be true. It might not be helpful. Does, it's not helpful, right? Yeah. Not everything is is per- everything purpose, is permissible, not everything but not is everything helpful. is helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everything's lawful and everything's beneficial. And so, after I said stupid things like that, I realized that my wife loves certain aspects of investment in the family. And I love certain aspects. And so this has been a really beautiful partnership, or say, around around Christmas time for years. My wife does the Advent calendars. She has a little puffy one where you stick these little cherubs and things all over a thing. Our kids love it. She switches our decorations in our home seasonally every year, right? Uh, fall, Valentine's, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. She does. She decorates. Um, and not with like elaborate, expensive things. She's just thoughtful about it. And so those boxes full of Christmas decorations, me, I need to do better. You need to hold me accountable next year to to get those down on my own. Yeah, I'll intuitively remember. If I remember. do that, I will be like the man. Because like once I started pulling all the boxes down, I was helping. She was happy. You know, we got a Christmas tree that yesterday that stuff i don't care about my wife makes our house a home yeah in just a wonderful way she's thoughtful about it she's kind she's thinking about the kids all the time in that um and that's made our holidays very warm for me 
Um, I, I've always thought about intentional investment uh, around those holidays. How do I take the real meaning of it and make it stick, um, but also make it new every year and dynamic and relational? Um, because really, that's what our relationship with God. God is dynamic. He's spiritual. Uh, the Holy Spirit is dynamic. Um, God loves us, and we, we all get stuck in ruts, and God can bring us out of that through various yeah. means and people and conversations and things we read and worship. And so for us, at Christmas time. Um, I wanted to invest in our children uh, as we remembered Jesus's work in our lives. And so um, I just came up with this idea to write my kids letters. Now, obviously, lots of people give their kids cards and write letters. This isn't like, you know, something crazy and creative or anything. But the way I've gone about it over the years has become endeared to me. It's super important to me um, and to our kids. In fact, uh, I think when they were like, four years old when I started this, like, uh, they would crawl up into my lap on Christmas. I actually print these now, put them in envelopes and they're on the tree from me. So that's my present to my kids is my heart and my, I'm gonna get emotional is my heart and my words, you know, and my presence with them. And so they pull it off the tree, open it, sit in my lap. And I would read that, read it to them. Now, is Tommy still sitting in your lap? Um, He's gotten so big big, this year and so strong and everything. But up until really recently, they would still do it. Even my teenage daughters, man, they would insist on it. It was really awkward. You're heavy. You know, the thigh bone, femur bone is getting crushed. And, (laughs) um, but now they kind of, you know, Kayla, she's 20. She kind of just leans over on my shoulder. Very close, though, still very close. And I read it to them. And so my letters, um, I, I just do bullet points throughout the year on Evernote when significant moments happen in our lives, in their story, whether good or bad, hard or difficult, beautiful. Um, something that I feel like God's teaching me or teaching them. I just drop a bullet right in this letter file in Evernote just to say, okay, this was important. And then obviously on Christmas Eve, I weave it together into prose. Now, I don't copy edit it anymore. So the typos and the dictation errors are kind of part of it. So I probably, because these aren't presented in the Smithsonian or going to live for posterity. Yeah. My kids keep them though, right? Yeah. And so I, I do my best to not have too many errors, but there's a few here and there. And I just skip them when I read them and the kids go find them later. It's funny. And so the, you know, I put this together you know, probably five years ago, like what I try to do in these letters is, is that I want to connect with them. I want to be human. I want to be in their world. I want to be in their story. I want to have fun. And I want them to see all these things, connection, humanity, relationship with their dad and with God the Father, right? So um, every letter has affirmation. I think encouragement, right? Uh, the the Holy Spirit's called the Paraclete, the Paracleo, called alongside. These are the this is the Greek words that are translated both encourage and exhort, yeah. right? And so whether you're coming alongside, the context dictates sometimes in the Bible how that's translated. Whether it's an encouragement, hey, you're doing great, keep going, or an exhortation, hey, you need to you need to be pushed here. And so affirmation is my encouragement. What they're doing well, right? What character traits or fruits of the Spirit do I see? What godly traits do I see in them? And I say, I see this in you. I think it's wonderful. Um, So connecting affirmation. And now this one's um, something I think modern parenting sometimes doesn't do enough. Um, and we know that, you know, people who want to talk about growth mindsets or, or certainly as a wrestling coach, we, we know that you've got to turn up the heat for gold to be refined, crucible, put them in, you know, when guys aren't very tough, you have to put them in a hard situation. They'll either get tough or they won't. And yeah. you'll know, right, if they're going to be good at wrestling or not. So I think we need to challenge our children. 
And so in a context of a love, acceptance, grace-filled reality, not a uh, picking on your kids or calling out their faults or being a heavy-handed father, I despise that. I mean, I can't tell you how much I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, my my father, one of uh, his favorite quotations, and, and it's helpful in a kind of weird way, was, and he learned this from the Navy, right? It says that it takes a thousand attaboys, like, hey, good job, a thousand attaboys to wipe away one awe poop word, right? Um, think about that for a second, Yeah. right? If you're living under like, hey, if I mess up, I know it's going to take a lot to build up, you know, me being worthy or something. So I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to ever do that to my children, but we cannot, um, be a be a mom or dad that won't challenge our kids, and so connection, warmth, human dream, affirmation, so, right? Yeah. And so, in these letters, are you are you actually taking opportunities in the written letter to to challenge? Yes. Okay. So the yes. so the letter's not just that's what you're saying. It's not just encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing: these are contextual yeah. for our lives, like so, what, so whatever's happening that year, whatever's yeah, happening. Yeah. What that, challenges do I see in their lives yeah, that yeah. are really either hurting? They're really struggling. Like. Yeah. Um, my middle kid, Kyleen, had a rough uh, July through probably <laughs> November. I mean, yeah. it's just really, really hard. I won't get into all the details of things, but lots of disappointment, right? Yeah. Um, lots of challenge. So what are the challenges in their life this year? Uh, what character areas need to be called up? Yeah. Right? Hey, you're critical, you know? Hey, I've noticed this year that you've been a little bit critical of your siblings, and I really want you to work on that. Uh, just think how much encouragement means to you. Try to be an encourager. And that's just off the cuff kind yeah. of examples. Um, what future things are ahead of them that they need to see, right? Mm. Um, and I think as a parent, we are preparing our kids for the open-ended nature of their future, right? Where they're going to have to live in the midst of context that's hard. Life is difficult. People are not nice. People are going to be mean to them, right? Yeah. And so, um, hey, I noticed this year it was really hard for you when these girls were saying hard things on the soccer team about you. And you heard that uh, someone gossiped. I want you to learn from that. I want you to imagine how can you contribute to a different kind of community where gossip isn't the norm. Right. Where, where your words aren't hurting other people now that you've experienced that. And also, um, how do you trust God's view of you and your family's love for you, your identity in Christ, so that the words of some mean person, right, the, the words of a mean girl um, doesn't crush you? Right. Because those mm. things look, let's be honest. Um, our parents taught us sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt us. They told us that delectable story. Uh, it was a lie. It's a lie, right? <laughs> they, why did they do that? Well, they know words hurt, right? Yeah. So they're trying to kind of build us up against them. And so uh, when they have difficulties, travails, helping them learn, and I think doing that at Christmas time, just looking back. And so connecting with them as a human, love, affirmation, encouragement, challenge on various character things or challenging things in life. And then finally, I always try to call them forward. Yeah. I, you know, when Kayla was heading to college, right, I wrote a special separate letter that wasn't, it wasn't just Christmas. It was about her being sent from our family into a university setting, right? So um, Kylene's going to graduate this year. This is going to be the last Christmas letter at home. These are transitions yeah. in life so you're always calling them forward in 
into the Lord, right? The, calling them to their future, call them to Christ, right? We, we've talked about this on the Gospel Underground. You talked about it here on Hammer and Quill a lot. Uh, last season, particularly, the yeah. nature of vocare, or the word called by God, both to our primary uh, daughtership or sonship in Christ, but also our secondary callings, right? Maybe their craft um, in His world and in His mission, right? Mm. Uh, how can you continually aim them like... You know, my son recently, during the pandemic, we got really into watching Formula One racing, um, mainly because of the Netflix series Drive, Drive to Survive. A lot of people have watched that. It's salty language. Parents worn out, but because it's European drivers and stuff, you know, so they're dropping some words. But we watched that together, my son and I, he's a teenager, and now he's very interested in Formula One. So I'm like, hey, you know, all those computers and stuff that they're running there that are doing real-time data analytics, you know, that's what people go when they study data science for. And he's a good math guy. Yeah. So I'm trying to connect things he loves with gifts and passions given to him by God, natural talents, with ideas for his future, right? Because, look, we don't live in a place that says, you know, like uh, Brave New World where they're segmenting, or Plato's Republic, where they're segmenting people off by the state into what they should do with their lives. Right. And so I'm trying to see things. Yeah, there's not alpha betas. That's right, alpha betas, and you do Delta's, this. And yeah. you're, you're a worker, you're a philosopher, you're yeah. a warrior, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm trying to look at my So you're, you're trying people. to aim them into the possibility of what God yes, might be calling them to. yes. Yes, and that's real time, and so yeah. that stuff changes over time. And then the other thing I do, because I'm extra, um, <laughs> is that I I do I put these in a graphic design program, and I do drop graphics on there. And that's usually where some comedy or hu humor comes in. Like uh, when Kayla first went to high school or had a good high school soccer, I put the Bruin logo. Or um, my nickname for Kai is Sweetie Kai. So there's always a little peppermint candy on there when I talk to her. Kayla's, I call her Baby Duck. Nobody else can. Her boyfriend someday can't call her Baby Duck. That's my name. <laughs> that's one of the things that if a boy does, he dies, he right? Dies. You can't take dad's nickname. So there's a little Baby Duck picture like graphic yeah. on her Christmas letters and and that kind of stuff you know if if Kai gets into said institution uh Thursday uh, that logo will likely be that, on uh, there New right. Jersey Community College yeah, logo yeah, yeah. on there yeah. so I love that so so if you're listening at home and you're not um graphic design you know you don't have those kind of skills clip art just skip it no just what sketch something do what you want do like, what you if want you're a sketch person sketch something if you're if you look use it because you use Google images search and yeah, like stick it yeah. on. It, it, they, kids don't care when they're yeah. when they're little, especially. Yeah, they're not judging your song creation abilities. One of one of my kids, my daughter's especially best memories from childhood was something called Story in the Dark, where uh, I would just go lay in between their beds. They shared a room for yeah. a long time, and I would just tell them stories. Mm. And people say, "Well, what what kind of stories did you tell them?" I was like, "Well, I didn't give it much thought ahead of time. I just went in there and just said some nonsense." And it evolved into this game where they were like, "I made them choose a character trait, right? Virtue, right? Um, goodness, courage, whatever." And they give me a virtue, and then I just make up a story around it. And usually, it involves because they were talking about making. Mouse one time I I didn't want to do Mickey Mouse because that's too easy right like Mickey Mouse so I just did Tricky Mouse so Tricky Mouse <laughs> Tricky Mouse was the foil to every story yeah. and he was like yeah. vicious and he bad, bad. Yeah. and then Kylene and Kayla would be virtuous and exhibit whatever the virtue was courage uh, and they're dealing with the with Tricky Mouse Tricky Mouse in the neighborhood who was a punk right and so I would just make up crap who knows what it was it just was <laughs> something and they loved it and my wife used to say you know now that they're older they're just manipulating you 
to stay up late, right, in their bedroom at night. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm I'm here for every bit, give you every piece of that, right? Yeah. Because they want to be with me. There's gonna be a time where they want to go be with their friends, and I go and be with dad. So I was I was in there, right? I used to joke I was gonna be in my daughter's life before the little little boys showed up with their lunchbox trying to get in the game. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be there first, so that they would trust my voice later yeah. when you know idiots wanted to you know mm. show up on the scene. Yeah, you know? I love it. I love the Christmas letters and. Um, we talk about that uh, in on the Gospel Underground in episode ninety nine, but you talk more directly about it yeah. in episode ten with Tommy. With right? Tommy, he comes on to review. It's so cute to look back on that because he he's reviewing, he's doing reviewish uh, of some Lego movies like Ninjago, Lego That's right. movie kind of stuff. And he was a little dude. Now and it changes so much between what, what was he thirteen then twelve? I, I probably was two thousand seventeen. So yeah, oh. he was even younger. Probably yeah. no, it was eighteen, maybe two thousand eighteen. Okay. I don't remember, but yeah, he was a little dude. His voice was like he—he's—he's he's a man now, yeah. and so he sounds way different. He's not like little Tommy. So yeah, well, I love—I love the thinking about number one, the kind of atmosphere that needs to be ongoing, so that it's not just you show up once a year with these letters, but you're providing this atmosphere of love, acceptance, um, encouragement, affirmation, challenge, like. Like what you're describing in the letters is is what you're you're embodying with them yeah. throughout the year. I love that. I love the um, the looking for opportunities to create family, uh, almost rituals or practices like the story time. You're forming culture, right? Yeah. Um, our last episode or two or three episodes ago on the Gospel Underground, when I had all the kids on. Yeah. Now they're in their more mature phase. We talked about family culture. In the things that we valued together and how they shaped each of us, it's fascinating, and that's what you're doing with these these little things. And they look, it's unique to you, who you are, things you love and, and like, and the way you flow. But you form something together, and that becomes reinforcing. And can be, you know, people always talk about like peer pressure or whatever. Well, culture is powerful, and an interlocked family culture, home team, where we're going in a direction, allows for that unique individuality of people, right, uh, with a unity around a certain reality. Uh, you know, for us, we want to be r- rally around Christ uh, and our unique family culture that flowed out of that. And that's that's power, that's power. been powerful for our children as they've transitioned into the more cultural world, because there's like this transition where you're going to spend the most time with your children when they're tiny, yeah. and then less and less. And the cultural influences, you determine what those are when they're really little. Yeah. Uh, they, the cultural influences grow. I got a, co- a conference I do on transitioning kids into teenage years and culture. And we have this graphic that shows the influence of parents and the influence of culture and how that shifts over time. And so readying them for that is massively important because they go out into the world with, I like to say, heavy feet. Or str- that's a wrestling thing. Like they're strong in their stance and they know with who they are. And, but they still, the, the winds and waves of life are going to beat against them. Uh, and, and the other thing is like they're not cut off from us, right? You know, Kayla was reading some communist last year, literally a communist from Latin America about education. And we had a two-hour call about it, mm. thinking together. And uh, I like to think at least that's because when she was four, we thought together. Amen. You know, the, uh, the idea really here today is craftsmanship and Christmas traditions is crafting a culture that's right uh, in your home and your family in fact right. uh, i don't have the i don't have the notes in front of me but i, I was reading recently uh, bradley wilcox up at uva yeah uh recently he's i think he's writing a book on this but recently came out with an article in first things where 
uh, he shows in his research on family life that that the number one indicator of or the number one contributor to to children who 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 go off and become adults and uh, stay uh, connected to the church that stay committed to Christ is the family culture, not their youth group, not their Amen. church life, not the culture around them, but what happened in their in their home, seeing yeah. their parents and their family uh, have a faith that wasn't just Sunday morning faith, but but is was throughout it outsourced the life. to religious professionals. That's right. Yeah. And so this is incredibly important and beautiful. Now, before we transition to our lightning round, I do want uh, we we have listeners out there who are single. We have yeah. listeners out there who. Uh, either do not or cannot have children, and so give a word to them, Reed. Yeah. Like if you want to, yeah. you, you know, how might a listener, you know, so far we're talking mostly about children and family life. Yeah, how might someone out there cr- craft Christmas traditions? Yeah, that aren't well, maybe just centered around children. Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly enough, Jesse, we tried to prepare our children for someday getting married or not we we actively talk about that so much that tommy likes to joke with his oldest sister about like never getting married because she's probably the one that wants to get married the most but the christian vision of life isn't just married married life right it's or or having children it's not at all it is a communal life it is including one another right in these beautiful ways and so every one of us i think has an opportunity to make these intentional investments and that and the christmas letters for me are intentional investments in other people um Kay, you know kayla's 20 she's single um you know whether she's gonna be 40 and not married like her brother always pokes at her um it's a beautiful calling to be a single person in christ and kayla Kayla's exhibiting this to me. She's never had a boyfriend. I am saying that out loud on a podcast. She might, she might be upset with me for that. She's never had a boyfriend. Um, both her little siblings have had little friends, and she hasn't. Um, she's, she struggles with that. Why? I don't know. You know. She's asked me, Dad, why is that? I was like, it's okay. Um, but what I've watched in her is her to adapt a community of friendship, um, both men and women, um, that to me is an example of how to do this. And so uh, this is just one thing I saw at Thanksgiving. Uh, my daughter was sitting on the couch on her phone, which, of course, is is suspicious, right? You're like, what are you doing? Are you ignoring the family? Or are you doing something good? You don't know. It's if people are yeah. on their phone. And so I was like, hey, who are you texting with? She goes, I've started this tradition that on Thanksgiving, um, I send a note to all my close friends. And now for Kayla, mm-hmm. that's not three. Right. She's yeah. She has a lot of people that she loves. Yeah. And so she spent hours uh, saying specific, intentional things to her friends about gratitude for them as individuals on Thanksgiving as a single person. And I thought, what a wonderful thing. Now, people joke that she's the mom of her friend group and all this stuff because she really loves them. Yeah. Um, and she's even told me, she goes, I know Dad, Dad, Tommy jokes with me about never getting married. And, and I know that's a possibility. Yeah. But someday maybe I'll have little kids around me in the church. I'll have uh, I'll be a teacher in a school or something and I'll be able to make intentional investments in others. And I think uh, giving and receiving in relationship 
is a beautiful thing about being a Christian. To me, I grew up in, as a competitive guy uh, that didn't have a communal life. We didn't go to church. Um, I was on teams. We were trying to win. And to, to enter into Christianity, some of you who grew up in the church, right, you, that's all you, you saw as a kid, sometimes you don't realize how beautiful and wonderful it is to have people that care about each other and that part of their life is to value a person just for themselves, not their production, not their successes, not their trophies, right? That, that's like the world I grew yeah, up in. Yeah. If I was a state champion, I would have thought good of myself. If not, I would have thought I was a miserable failure of a human being. It's terrible. And so watching people and, and single friends, I have a single, single pastor friend who's in his, I think he's in his 40s now in, in Denver, Colorado, a friend named Hunter Beaumont, watching him make intentional investments in others and to receive them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is is something I think is very beautiful. And all these ideas, right, are instantly transferable when you start thinking, how do I uh, make intentional investments to people uh, to help connect and love them, affirm them, challenge them, call them up? Um, you'll find your friendships change and have a, a contour and depth that is uh, is a beautiful thing in our world. Amen. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. Read that that. Even even just taking the Christmas letters idea and the investment there, um, that's immediately transferable to a few close friends. That's transferable to a um, housemates, or housemates, roommates, parents. Yes. Now I think yes. I think that the tone and the approach it changes, right? You don't sure. want to write to your friends like a father would. Right. It's not you're not condescending. Yeah, you're more peers. That's right. To but, but be able to say, hey, here's some things that I've noticed yeah. in your life this year that I want to affirm. Here's and, some things I'm I appreciate about you. Here's some challenges that I, I'd love to see you step into and love to help walk with you. And I think those it's things. an unfortunate reality of the modern world because we're so you know not just the church but the modern world right is so uh, in, inflamed with romance right that we forget the beauty of shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. Um, And then married people forget that, too. So, like, there's this opportunity uh, to live a shoulder-to-shoulder, face-to-face reality with friends that can be deep, intimate, meaningful, but we don't know how a lot of times. And so if you take the risk, right, to to write a note to your friend from time to time, you're going to be changing the culture of your friendship. Now, it's scary, right? We're like, oh, what do they think? I'm weird. Well, so what? You're not weird. You're doing something very good in the world for that person and for yourself, and, and it really honors honors Christ. Like, think about Jesus and how he rolled with his friends, men and women, in a community, right, where love and honor, respect, and mission uh, was central. And, you know, one of my best friends when I lived in Blacksburg the first time, uh, Jim Kruskis, he's a pastor at Blacksburg Christian Fellowship now. He got married when he was close to 40 and, and wrestled with being in his 30s and wanting to be married and single. And I'll tell you what, we talked about that a lot. And he was a wonderful friend to me. Uh, and he also invested his life in some yeah. knucklehead baseball players at Virginia Tech in that season of life uh, that was really, really important to those guys. future i know some of them now and that investment made shoulder to shoulder face to face with with another man was very important you know if it it may be the case that god's calling kayla to be single it might be yeah but i will say this about her she's 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 like double the maturity of anyone else her age (laughs) particularly males yeah 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 and so i you know looking back i don't know her all that well now but uh watching her these past few years i've thought you know, it's going to take a particular, particularly healthy, mature man, uh, which 
you know, looking back to my own experience in college, <laughs> there weren't many of them. I, I yeah. wasn't one of them um, yeah, it's to like go she, around. So. She, yeah, we've, thanks for saying that, Jesse. We've had that conversation that she's going to have a, have a grown butt man in Christ, um, you know, show up. Yep. Um, and, you know, she, and it's, uh, it's a reality that um, I had a friend of mine who's a professor of psychology now at a, at a school down near Whitfield. I'm trying to think of the name right now, uh, but her name is Jessica. She, she told us, don't ever have your daughters uh, tuck away their strength and their gifts because they're intimidating to say like, I don't know, 15 year old boys or yeah, something. Yeah. And that's something we say, Hey, walk in your shoes. Um, be a gracious person. Um, she doesn't have a, a lot, you know, tomfoolery nonsense. This doesn't go very far. Yeah, with that's her. right. And, uh, we're, we're proud of her, whether, whether or not she's single for life or not. That's just, that's up to a lot of uh, the Lord and circumstance that that's ahead. Well, thank you, Reed, for this idea of crafting Christmas traditions. Really just, they don't even have to be Christmas traditions like Kayla, Thanksgiving of, of letters. Not to mention the, the crafting of a culture throughout the year as a team. Uh, we're going to transition now to our lightning round, all right? So here's, I'm just going to throw some questions at you. This is what we do with all of our guests. And I'm unprepared, right? Yeah, <laughs> you don't know what they are. I have yeah, no yeah. Idea what's so going uh, what's the best movie or show you've watched in the past year? Uh, that would be the new Dune movie. The new would Dune be, movie. Would be my uh, new favorite Man, a bunch of Bonhoeffer House people are going to see it at the uh, theater tonight. Oh. I've already seen it. And I wanted to go tonight, but uh, I saw it twice in the theater. I don't think it's going to work. We we've seen it on uh, HBO Max. You even listened to the book, which counts as reading. I read the (laughs) first book, and I'm almost finished with the second book, Dune Messiah. Yeah, that's that'd be it for me. That's that's the movie for me. You know, this is not the best movie I've seen in the last year, but it's related to what we're talking about with Christmas traditions. Have you seen too? No, not you that. Never, you haven't too. seen that. I've never you, seen that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, no. Um, 8-Bit Christmas. I saw that on Netflix. Everybody's watching that now. I think I it's HBO Max. Is it HBO Max? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And My wife's been watching Doctor Who on HBO Max before it expires because we got it to watch Dune. Yeah, um, yeah. So 8-Bit Christmas, okay. especially if you're like, our age, like you grew up in the 80s. Like Atari kind of stuff? Is yeah, well, it's 8-Bit. 8-Bit is the uh, original Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh. And so it's this boy's quest. Uh, actually, it's um, Doogie Hauser. What's his name? Um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris is narrating. He's telling the story to his daughter, uh. um, who really wants a cell phone. And he's saying, no, you're not getting a cell phone. And then he's explaining <laughs> his own desire to get a Nintendo NES. and how that was equivalent to yeah. her des- even more strong than her desire to get a cell phone. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a endearing hallmarky. Maybe? It's hallmarky, but it's, it's, it got me. Yeah. Kayla's probably seen it already. Okay. It, <laughs> I'll ask her. About it's, it was, I recommend it. Uh, I'll hit it. I'll as hit a, we it watched out. it as a family, family and, movie. Uh, yeah. and I was crying at the end. So hey, I'm a movie crier. Big time. So how about best, uh, I don't know, podcast you've listened to lately besides the Hammer and Quill? Uh, besides the Hammer and Quill. That's a tough one because I, I listen to a, You've got a weird variety of podcasts. I, I do have a weird... Name a weird, couple. Um, 
I listen to the Daily Tech News Show and Mac OS Ken, a guy named Ken Ray, who does an Apple podcast every day. I listen to Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. Very good one. He's he's written a book that's very controversial on evolution, Adam and Eve and stuff. And there was a good episode where he was interacting with a guy at Washington University named Jonathan Swamidas on their different views of reconciliation of scientific stuff with the Bible. So that, that's interesting. But um, I'll go with... Um, the, the Mindscape podcast episode I mentioned last time on the Gospel Underground. Um, the Mindscape podcast is a guy named Sean Carroll. He's an atheist astrophysics guy. So I wouldn't, it, most of the episodes are pretty crazy. But he did this one on uh, shipping and supply chain informatics and how stuff gets from all over the world to different manufacturing places through these big shipping boats all the way back to. Merry Christmas. You get a Christmas present. So that, mm. I'd go with that one. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, if I visit Blacksburg. Where do I have to eat, and what do I order? I, I, I would say, this is funny, and I'll give a not too long of an answer, but like we moved from New Jersey black, back to Blacksburg, so we don't think there's any good food in Blacksburg. <laughs> okay, that's just our opinion, because we lived in New York City Metro. Yeah, where you're, you're if, snobs. If you, well, no, you're if you would, snobs, I if know. You, my favorite sushi place in New Jersey was this guy trained in New York, and he's, I just miss it, Ninja Sushi. You're York not going to get that in Blacksburg. You're not going to get Ethiopian food made by Ethiopians necessarily. Maybe you will in Blacksburg, not that I know of, but I like Cabo Fish Taco. I like to go there. I like their um, jalapeno mashed potatoes side, Ooh, and I like mm. their ginger. Salmon, ginger. Ginger uh, salmon tacos, ginger shrimp tacos, oh, okay. and their buffalo shrimp tacos. Ah. They're in two separate on, I'm getting entrees, hungry. but I mix them, so I, they'll let yeah, you do that one and one. Yeah. And so that's just tell them Reed Monahan. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll let the, you mix it up. The special, yeah, <laughs> a little the spicy and the sweet shrimp tacos. Nice, yeah, right. nice. All right, what's the? Uh, here's my last question. I'll ask today. What's the most magnificent animal you've ever seen in the wild? Oh, in the wild. I'm trying to think if I've seen one of these in the wild because I I'm instantly went to my favorite animal. Just I, say it. What I is shouldn't it? share this because this is one of these answers on credit cards and stuff like your <laughs> your secret <laughs> questions like. This not that what, it is for me. Not that it is for me. Not that it is for you. I, I, the killer whale is my favorite Ooh. animal by far, but I'm not, I don't know that I've seen one in the wild. In the wild, other than on like documentaries, documentaries. and okay. you know blackfish, all these stuff. But I fell in love with them as a child. Um, one, they're they're communal and they're they're really bad bottom. Uh, they they kill sharks sometimes, you mm. know. They kill great white sharks sometimes. Yeah. So I'd say they're that. like the apex predator of the water, and yeah. yet. They are friendly to other mammals, right? That's right. That's right. They will take care of them. They'll yeah. help the sick. They're they don't really attack humans. They're very smart. When they're in I captivity. guess they're technically big dolphins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're treated poorly in yeah. captivity. On so if you, I think it is called Blackfish a documentary. That's about the abuse of killer whales. Killer whales. Yeah. Well, I hope to never see one in the wild personally, <laughs> yeah. but I I agree that they are magnificent. <laughs> well, friends, thanks for listening, friendos. Listeners, not fans. You can All you fans of the Hammer and Quill, <laughs> fans of Jesse Fury and Michael Worlds and Holly Ballette. You can find out more about Reed Monahan on thegospelunderground.org. Yep. You can also check out the podcast on your favorite podcast uh, app or we're, we're most wherever places. you you know Spotify, Google, Spotify, Google. Apple, Amazon. We're on those for sure. And thank you for listening in today to crafting christmas traditions with my friend reed monahan thank you reed for joining us peace peace
awesome. What a great conversation with Reed. I'm jealous that you got to have that conversation, Jesse. Reed is my friend. He's my friend too. <laughs> He's my friend Sometimes too. Sometimes we hang out and talk. <laughs> uh, well, I got to because Reed is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> One of my traditions is to hang out with Reed and talk and hit record. <laughs> oh man. Okay, guys, what did you find most inspiring in that conversation? You know, I wish that I had been doing the Christmas letters. Mm. And I think I might be inspired to do it. I haven't done it before. Uh, what we, Do you do anything? We do a lot of similar. Things. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. Many things. Um, we do... So they watch Die Hard as a family. Um, <laughs> a big Die Hard night. They um, put Elf on in the background <laughs> and ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. And... We we do the Christmas decorating. Honestly, a lot of our Christmas traditions revolve around Advent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've been reading Fleming Rutledge's book on Advent, mm. um, and she really makes an argument for like this Christmas season should really be more about um, uh, longing mm-hmm. and darkness, mm. and basically like Christmas should come like exploding onto the scene. Mm. Mm. And it's really challenged me to think about we we kind of don't do that. (laughs) We start doing the lights and everything pretty early, and it's very very much about like the whole season. The whole season, yeah, yeah. And so, so if anything, I'm rethinking Christmas traditions in that light because we we do a lot of Advent stuff as a family. So we've uh, one thing that Jenny does is she's got this um, she's got this string in our hallway, and on the string are these tiny little paper clips with tiny little paper bags with each day, you know, one through 24, however many days it is before it, during Advent. That would be correct. <laughs> well, I think we might start before December 1. Okay. Um, and each bag has four of those little like mint, uh, I don't know what, you know, they're kind of candies, round candy mints. <laughs> after Not <day> hard mints, <laughs> sort of like after. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. And so... We most evenings will read an Advent devotional. The kids get to have their mints. We um, pray together. So that's that's one of our traditions. Yeah. And but I'm just trying to rethink things. So the Christmas letters I want to pick up, and then yeah, do we need to keep it a little darker before mm. Christmas? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like physically dark? Maybe maybe you wait longer to set up the decorations. Put the lights up. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. Like in the like a, a Fleming Rutledge in her book talks about how in the Episcopalian. Anglican kind of tradition, they wait till Christmas Eve. Hmm. Like good Episcopalian, which I don't know if I know any good Episcopalians, but if you were a good one, according to her, anyway, <laughs> you would wait because you're, you know, you're, it's Advent season yeah. until it's Christmas. So. I mean, it would be pretty cool to just have Suddenly, an explosion poof. of like mm-hmm. Griswold House. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just tons lit of lights. I don't know if we go that far, but, <laughs> but what if you, what if you had a progressive, you know, unveiling yeah. of lights? I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm rethinking yeah. things, okay? Mm. Yeah. I'm in process. Yeah, I'm tooling. <laughs> yeah. Working on it. <laughs> what about you, Michael? Um, yeah, I I think, I, I don't know if I can pick something this broad, but just the intention that, that Reed takes in uh, thinking through how to uh, care for his family, how to... Um, yeah, help his family grow and, and flourish. Um, I think that was really inspiring for me. So I've obviously, you know, the whole conversation was around crafting tradition, but 
but just hearing how thoughtful and and focused and contemplative he is about I I want I want my family to do well. I want my children to to thrive and flourish. I um and I want to be part of that as an encourager, as a challenger. Um that was inspiring for me. So um yeah, I I think I'm not sure what what I'll pick up. Um if it'll be doing the letters like he does them um or or if it'll be something different but i i definitely want to um to have that intention in thinking about my kids um and my family and even even our home i think Mm -hmm. one of the fun things about this season um emily and i moved in april so our our home is very new and fresh and so i think one of the fun things about this season has been we have been thinking in in kind of that vein um, with our home, how can we be intentional to use our home to be inviting and warm and hospitable? And so I think this conversation had a lot of that, uh, that same type of thing of, okay, I, I, you know, we're, we're doing this with our home, thinking about how to invite people in, share meals with them, share our space with them, share ourselves and our lives with them. Um, now, how can I make sure that I'm, I'm doing that with my, my kids, with my family, um, and doing it in, in a seasonal way with Christmas tradition. So, yeah, I did think about just to double, double on that, the importance of the intentionality and, 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 uh, that intentionality is not just for a season. It's not just, you know, Christmas time. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I got to think about my kids again. (laughs) Yes. I got to think about (laughs) encouraging them or, uh, but really thinking about, Christmas as a, in the, in the Christmas letters as a kind of, um, uh, an event in the calendar of creating culture in the family and setting the culture in the family. I thought that was really, uh, helpful and encouraging Yeah, for me, just thinking that, that way that like, this is a year round thing. This is a, you know, even when our, before our kids were in the family, we were trying to think about, uh, in our marriage, how do we, what kind of culture do we want? What do we want? How do we be, want to be forming each other and being formed in our practices? So, yeah. and and by the way, can I just make a, a a a recommendation for the 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 actual physical handing over of letters? I think is the tactileness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. Yeah. You didn't ask this. I I assumed no because he said he dic- dictates them. Yeah, but he doesn't handwrite. No, them. he doesn't no, handwrite them. Some. No, yeah, yeah. And, I, and that you know that might be the one area where I'd say yeah, you level <laughs> level it up. A I might bit. level up there, but <laughs> it'll be leveled down in like the graphics. You know, yeah. he can like <laughs> copy and paste memes into his <laughs> letters. I, I can't sketch that yeah. well, I but I think a handwritten letter. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that's something to treasure in a in a digital age. Well, we um, Morgan actually talked to Reed years ago and learned about his Christmas letter tradition years ago and has picked it up for our family. And it has been so special, so special. So my youngest will never know both my girls. I mean, honestly, they'll always remember the letters and same thing. They're on the tree in the morning and my oldest Bentley, um, asks throughout Christmas morning, like, when is it time to read the letter where you cry? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> Morgan, he's a 
we're, not a crier, but Morgan cries. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone does. I, I think I think Bentley cried last year when he mm. read it. But same thing, like what Reed said, like sitting close, reading it to them. Morgan types his too. Um, I wonder if that was part of their conversation. I think I had asked Morgan once about that, and I think it's. He says he's able to write a lot more because his hand doesn't hurt after three kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. He adds a picture of them, you know, copies and pastes a picture and puts some clip art around it too. But my kids, especially Bentley, it's so Mm. special to him. And it's cool to think that they'll have, you know, Lord willing, 18 letters um, of their childhood Mm. from their dad. And so it's really beautiful. I also was really encouraged and inspired to hear about Kayla and how she writes letters to her friends and what a picture of the intentionality of a parent passed down to their children um even in that way it was it was really cool to hear her talk about that so um yeah i i encourage you know write to your kids write to your friends write to your family um whoever you've got and want to write to i think it's just such a special tradition to start i loved this conversation one one of the other things that i just found really impressive and inspiring was and and you alluded to this a little bit, Jesse, but um, the fact that Reed, I, I, through this tradition, Reed is attentive all all throughout the year. Yeah, that he has and a is, file. Yep, yep. And, <laughs> is, and is you know making bullets of like this was a significant moment in their lives. This was a really challenging season. This you know, um, I just think that that level of attention. Uh, communicates love mm-hmm. and and communicates compassion and and interest and so that's well right. done Reed that's right well done and uh, you know if you're listening brother you need to put take that same amount of attention put it into your Google Calendar give yourself a reminder to take the Christmas decorations out <laughs> yes say maybe uh, November one or something like that and that's press really and press Casey. <laughs> Get those decorations out and say, hey, I was thinking about this. I was yep. thinking about you. Yeah. Um, she doesn't need to know that there was a reminder set. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's the intentionality of it. That's you right. Know? You keep the, keep the notes. Well, thank you to Reed Monahan for joining me on this episode and this conversation. Thank you guys for inputting into this. Uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Now, now we had promised Friendos. an episode. Friendos. Not fans. <laughs> we promised that the next episode was actually Chris Barclay a fly rod maker and we snuck this one in on you we we thought you got you got like irish that fly rod maker chris barclay a fly rod maker <laughs> we're gonna put that one out for you <laughs> okay okay so anyway we snuck this one in and uh so all that means for you is that you get a bonus a christmas traditions bonus episode because we do have an excellent conversation with chris barkley recorded stream side after a day of catching a few fish on a stream in the blue ridge mountains coming uh to you guys in the next couple of weeks well thank you for tuning in to the hammer and quill season two episode three a conversation with Reed Monahan about craftsmanship and crafting Christmas traditions. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the Hammer and Quill on your favorite podcast app. Write us a quick review, letting us and others know how we're doing. 
We got a lot of five-star reviews. I just looked. Oh, People like thanks, this. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, thanks friendos. A lot of fans out there. If you, have any, <laughs> if you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts or even ideas for series we might pick up, write into info at bonhopperhouse.com. Until next time, peace. Peace. I got more fire in my belly than Natsu. I'm happy as a clam and I think you forgot to. Tell me where my enemies are, cause when I look around and know what to be found, I guess they're counting down every single hour to the minute to the second. They have me second guessing if they even present. If they ever step up to me, I'ma give them all a gift. I'll say sorry in advance and I'll go and plead the fifth. And I don't need a fifth to hit the top of your wish list. Every time I pivot, I'ma leave your ankles twisted. Listen, I'm not feeling listless. This, that, bliss, bliss I don't feel indifferent Already left the runway And I barely had assistance Went to my back Let the jokers react And the higher powers laughing with me They don't know what happened Up so high That your size is a fraction And what goes up Must come down But now I'm really feeling Like that paradigm shifted The feeling is addictive Anti-gravity I pray it's never lifted And when I hit the top It tastes like booty That you're kissing Listen Skip the clips I'm on a list Everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips. I'm on a list. Everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips. I'm on a list.